The delicious non-alcoholic beverage I'm drinking right now is Gia, a non-alcoholic aperitif inspired by the Mediterranean. I'm pouring it over ice with a simple lemon peel for a garnish. Gia comes in a clear bottle to display its sleek red look. And when you smell it, you breathe in notes of citrus. And when you taste it, you get bold, complex bitterness on your palate, as well as a silky smooth finish. If you've had Campari or a fan of bittersweet orange peel, you'll love the tanginess of Gia. I personally love strong bitter drinks, but if that's not your jam, you can mix it with a splash of soda to balance it out. Gia also comes with an amazing set of recipes for you to mix it into to make some of the most delicious non-alcoholic cocktails you will ever try. Hi everyone, I'm Marco Salazar and welcome to the For All Drinks podcast, your place for discovering delicious non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, mocktails, and more for leading a fun, healthy, and inclusive lifestyle. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with Melanie Masterin, founder and CEO of Gia. Gia is the first-born non-alcoholic aperitif that is vibrant, fresh, and satisfyingly bitter, featuring notes of nostalgic florals, earthy botanicals, and a clean kick of citrus. I'm excited for you to learn about this delicious non-alcoholic option that holds its own when you drink it straight and is a perfect addition to making interesting and complex alcohol-free cocktails. Thank you so much for joining us today. Gia is one of the more bold and complex non-alcoholic drinks I've tried, as well as one of my favorites. In this episode, we speak with Melanie, founder and CEO of Gia, and get into the origin story of the brand and how its creation was inspired by our childhood summers near the Mediterranean. What is an aperitif and what are the ways you can drink it? What are the health benefits of products like Gia? How to launch a new non-alcoholic beverage company and expand the category of non-alcoholic options, as well as why providing non-alcoholic options are vital to making everyone feel included at social gatherings. So here she is, Melanie from Gia. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to the For All Drinks podcast. Hi, Marcos. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you today because you make one of my favorite types of drinks, aperitifs, and I can't wait for our listeners to learn about this delicious spirit-free drink. So to kick it off, I'd love for you to share a little bit about where did the idea for Gia come from? Personal experience. I grew up spending my summers in the south of France. The culture of aperitif is really strong there. It doesn't only designate the drinks, but also this occasion, the moment in time. We call it l'apéro in French. And I also don't drink. And I was always frustrated with the lack of options for non-drinkers from both a an ingredient standpoint to a labeling and a social stigma standpoint. And so I thought of making my own. And I think for the audience, I know in the non-alcoholic beverage space, there's beer, there's wine, and then in some cases, there's other spirit-free alternatives. But can you share a little bit about what is an aperitif? Absolutely. So an aperitif uh, is usually a bitter drink, uh, meaning it comes actually from the Latin word aperir, which uh, means to open. And so it's supposed to open your appetite or really prime your appetite for dinner. It's not going to be a very sweet drink that that will cut your appetite. It's usually bitter. It's usually gentian root based, which is an alpine root that gives the drink its bitter taste. And it's usually historically a little bit medicinal. So aperitifs are usually made with liquor by, by using you know, botanical extracts uh, and plants to soothe the digestion. And what type of drinks do you typically find them in? I know you can drink them by themselves, but what are the traditional drinks that you can typically find them in? 
For sure. A Negroni would be uh, a famous one. Campari is definitely an aperitif. I think you could also call an Aperol Spritz an aperitif. So this, all of uh, this category of drinks, they're often orange or red that you can have from kind of post-work, pre-dinner, all throughout the night as they get mixed into cocktails. Yeah, and Negronis are pretty much my favorite classic cocktail. And so I'm excited to experiment with Gia about the different types of drinks. One of the other things that you pointed out that it was a combination of not just the drink itself, but a brand as well. And I think one of the things as you shared a sample with me is you have a beautiful brand. I opened up the box, the presentation was beautiful. And I really love that you paid attention to so much detail about the experience of the beginning of just experiencing the drink. So can you share a little bit more about where did the concept of Gia come from? Where did the branding come from? And what was that process like? So we partnered up with an agency out here in LA to help us bring this vision to life. But I had very strong ideas for what I wanted the experience in itself to be. And then they were really able to pull all of these ideas out of my brain and translate it into a visual identity. We really wanted Gia to be extremely joyful, extremely colorful. I think after spending a few years working in startups, I was a little bit sick of all the brands like copying each other and um, using all these pastel colors. And, and I wanted a brand that felt like summer, that would be vibrant, that would be really happy. And that would also appeal to different generations of customers, which is generally hard to do. And so we were really inspired by we postmodern design, all of these fun totem poles, also just the hospitality industry in general that really um, thinks about all of the touch points in an experience. And when the pandemic hit, we realized this had to be even more thought out because the experience of getting Gia in people's hands wouldn't be through a concert or a friend, but instead it would just show up on someone's doorstep. And so we really wanted it to be akin to setting the table for a dinner party with your friends. There's this anticipation, you open the drawer, you place things on the table. And so it's like this moment of setting the table and like hosting, like we wanted to create that with Gia. So we added a set of coasters so that you would prepare this moment of gathering, even if it was just to have a drink with yourself and kind of transition from work into play in the evening. So you would get a white box at your doorstep with the Gia label sticker on the outside. And when you open it, it says from uh, sunset to sunrise, because we really want to create drinks that are meaningful for all nighttime occasions, which is, I think, the occasions that are lacking the most options the most and the most fun occasions, probably. And then you have this kind of cutout showing the bottle and we call it the window into Gia's world. And that's really an invitation. We always say Gia is an invitation because there's this idea, or at least I really experienced this idea of not being able to participate when I wasn't drinking alcohol. Even if I was hosting dinner, I felt like I was always an outsider because I wasn't drinking. And so we always say Gia is an invitation. It's a drink that if you have a Gia in your hand, like you can feel the same way as if you were drinking alcohol. And so there's this window into Gia's world you open the window and underneath will be the bottle, a set of coasters. We're working on more things. And in this little recipe book, which I thought, you know, would just be a, a nice way for us to experience the brand. But it turns out people are really following the recipes. We get text messages from customers that say, I'm going to buy the ingredients for X, Y, or Z recipes. And the recipe book is actually 
probably the uh, most, I would say, the, the piece of collateral that has the most history for me because it was actually scanned on the recipe book that my grandmother started writing when she was 18 years old. And oh, wow. You can see her handwriting in the back. She would always make drinks and she would, it looks a bit like a scrapbook. It's falling apart. And she, there's, I think her recipe for Madeleine's is showing through and her Cure Royale and her Limoncello. And so we scanned this, this book, which was really the inspiration for most of the recipes and just my summers with her. And then we added our own images on top of that. So it's this idea of taking cues from the past and you recognize that from the design of the label as well, but also really updating it, really making it approachable to everyone this year. When I got the package, it evoked a certain emotional response and it was a combination of nostalgia, but also felt like a modern look. So you did a really good job of blending those two. So can you also share a little bit about when they're actually drinking the drink, what someone's going to experience, both the color and the smell and the taste? Absolutely. From just looking at the label, we did uh, the exact opposite of what everyone advised us to do. They said, your product needs to stand on the shelf. No one is going to know what a non-alcoholic aperitif is. You need to really explain it in the front. Like People need to be looking at it for less than 10 seconds and know what it is. And so we started doing that. And then it was just like so much text. And I said, I just want to try something else. And if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll redo it. But really creating an object that would just draw people naturally and then they would flip the bottle over and look at what it is. And so for us it was really about creating this object that would be a little bit of a little bit of like status, but in a nice way. It would be like I have Gia on my bar card, hence I'm like someone who's very inclusive of others, of people who don't drink. And and so we added this cap at the top that we call the mushroom cap that's like really playful because I, I wanted it to look like a bit more like a toy or something that would just intrigue and draw people in. And then when you open it, it smell really floral. So the liquid is reddish. It's definitely it's not as bright or as translucent as an aperitif with liquor in it, but it, and it actually sediments quite a bit because we only used as much preservative as was needed to keep the formula stable, which is less than 0.1%, but otherwise it's only real extracts in it. There's no natural flavoring. There's none of that. So there's a little bit of fig sedimenting or a little bit of uh, ginger at the top. And so you're supposed to shake it. And we also kept the bottle clear because we wanted people to see that. A lot of drinks that sediment have dark bottles. And, and we thought it was really important to be transparent about what real ingredients look like in C2. And so you open the bottle and it smells really floral. It definitely has a bit of citrus and a lot of flowers. There's elderflower, which really shows in the in the drink. And it's, it really smells like what it tastes, which is interesting. And then you pour it and you can have it on the rocks. It's very bitter. We have no sugar added. So it's an acquired taste. It's not for everyone to love at the first sip, but it's very versatile. So you could mix it with something a little sweeter if that's what your palate prefers. Or it was important to me to make a drink that didn't have any added sugar because very often people who don't drink are stuck with options that are too sweet. And that was definitely the unpopular opinion, but I am very stubborn and I uh, decided to, to continue. And so we included a lot of recipes with, with a broad range of flavors and options. And we developed them with a bartender from one of our favorite restaurants in New York. And we put a lot of thought into it. And, and depending on which even herb or garnish you put in the drink, it, it really takes you to different places and, and we call them more visual meditations. So visual mood boards. So it, you can go very different ways. 
there's so many things that I want to dive into of what you shared. And I think one of the first things is that the color is deep, but the thing that's interesting, and I'm so glad that you're able to see it, is that I'm a texture person, both in food and drink. So you can tell that there's going to be more texture and a little bit of thickness versus purely clear. And, and you can taste that. It's There's a very great silkiness and texture when you actually taste it. And then I think the other side is I'm very glad that you did kind of like low, if not no sugar. And, and I think that's one of the interesting things in this non-alcoholic beverage space as a whole, and we'd love to get your thoughts, is that non-alcoholic beverages in the past tended to be boring, which is the opposite of what yours is, but also high in sugar or overly sweet. So being able to have something that is both uh, not that, but also healthy is, is great. Yeah, I'm glad you, you said that because I think a lot of people wanted us to talk about how healthy the drink is. And I, I think that if you're thinking about going out, people are a bit less mindful of that in the evening. But the goal was not to market it as a healthy drink, is for people to know that Gia is fun and Gia is delicious and all of these other things, but just really set a new standards for what we should be expecting from our drinks in general. And that goes from being transparent about what's inside, which is a standard that alcohol brands are just not set, are just not required to adhere by, all the way to to just calorie count or labeling and and, and also just sweetness in general. And, and I think you touch upon something that I also want to share that you have on your website is part of what we were trying to do with For All Drinks is redefining the concept of alcohol, but also nightlife and what it means to have fun. And on your website, you say you want to take back the word drinking from alcohol. And when I think about I want to ask someone, oh, let's go have a drink. I don't want necessarily the default to assume that we're going to drink alcohol. Can you share a little bit about why you uh, feel that's one of the core parts of Gia? Absolutely. I think too often people say a real drink when they want to talk about alcohol. And to me, a real drink is a drink with real ingredients in it. And if you look at 95% of the drinks on the market today, there's something that's just not right. And so why is indulging in, in, in drinking with friends, socializing, like something that has to be damaging for your body? And so I really, I think it's really important. It was really important to start with this kind of social association of the alcoholic drinks. No, you can have fun. In fact, like when you have a drink like Gia or non-alcoholic drink, like you are more connected. You are more you're more present and you remember the evening, the following morning, and you're not foggy and all of these other benefits that go with not there are so many places where it makes sense to socialize and not be drunk or or drink less in general. So that was really important for us. Yeah. And one thing that I continually say is that it's ironic that we celebrate or try to enjoy some of our best moments with a depressive that tends to numb us. And I think that this provides an opportunity, whether you do want to drink and you drink less, or you just are more present when you're drinking non-alcoholic drinks. And then the other side, which you pointed out earlier is not in the past, not everybody had a delicious beverage to ha to enjoy when they were socializing. And I think you pointed out where you felt like an outsider or left out. And part of what you're doing is helping to uh, solve that problem for people. Yes, absolutely. I'm also someone who just generally loves food. And so I would spend a lot of time eating out, living in New York City. And, and very often I would either order a glass of wine and not drink it, which is very wasteful, 
or just have to order a mocktail that was too sweet and would cut my appetite before dinner. And so for us, it was also really important to create a drink that honored the food that was put on the table and that honored the hospitality industry and that helped them in a way. And so I think that's why we anchored our line of products with the aperitif because it's that perfect pivotal moment where you prepare yourself for dinner and for that special time and someone's cooking for you and, and it pairs with the food. What's been the reception of you launching? I know that this is one, a new category, and then two, 20, launching in 2020 has been an interesting year. So how have you been navigating that launch and how have people responded? This is very much a two-pronged question. 2020 has been full of hurdles and absolutely nothing has gone according to plan. However, I think the response is still overwhelmingly positive and I'm just so grateful for that. We were supposed to launch on April 1st in restaurants. And if we had been able to forecast that two weeks before that, all the restaurants pretty much in the world would shut down. I think we would have done things a little bit differently, but we ended up uh, launching with a digital first approach in June. And I think we were very lucky that people, there were a lot of people I think that had the same issue as me. They really wanted to have that drink and these people have been coming back for it. So we're building a very steady base of customers that are coming back over and over again and spreading the word about Gia in a time when it's just hard to gather. Like we have about 10% of our orders that are gifts, which I find fascinating. I obsessively read every gift notes before I go to bed at night and it just it's just such a nice way to doze off to know that People think of Gia as a thoughtful, you know, gesture for others, especially in these times. So it's just, it's a way to connect. And so I think that even without being able to do it in person, like we found ways for people to connect and we've had a few people that really hate it. So that happens too. Bitter drinks are not for everyone. And, and a lot of people are very sensitive to that taste. And, but the people who love it really love it. And we will be making more product for different palettes. And my goal is not to create drinks that please everyone because I think then they're just it's you can't be everything to everyone or you have just a very average product right so it's creating different products that will be maybe somewhat polarizing but that anyone will be able to find one that they really love and that they feel was really created for them and so I, I think that this kind of yeah, bitter really caters to a palate that appreciates apero and liquors or cocktails like a Negroni or an Aperol Spritz and and then we'll keep working from there. And you, like many others, have had to adapt during this whole difficult time. Can you share a little bit about your background? You have an interesting story, interesting background, and your kind of your career journey and how it helped you do what you're doing today. Absolutely. So I moved to the United States from France to go to college, which was probably the single most defining experience in my life. It opened a whole new world to me. I graduated and I went to college during the financial crisis. I graduated. I was very lucky to get a job on Wall Street. I worked at Goldman Sachs for a couple of years in investment banking. It was an incredible experience, but definitely not for me long term. And then I jumped ship and ended up working first in retail for a little bit for American Eagle Outfitters. And then I very randomly met the CEO of the food startup Dig in New York, which is now well-liked hospitality group with very mindful sourcing. And I was really interested in food at the time. And actually, anecdotally, I met Adam, the CEO, because I sent a customer service email suggesting a few changes because I was a patron of the establishment. And I went in the restaurant one day and it was a little bit chaotic. It turned out it was because they were making some operational changes that day. And I was like, 
really coming from a place of, I love your brand, but here are some suggestions. And interestingly, Adam, who I think really trained me to listen to our customers, was reading every single customer service email that was coming in, which was pretty impressive given they already had six or seven restaurants. Yeah. And he helped to get coffee. And I ended up joining their team and working them there for a few years. I think when I left, we were close to 20 restaurants. So it was definitely a busy time opening new markets and then doing a little bit of the rebrand of Digin. It was so fun. And, and then from there, I got recruited by Glossier to do some retail work for them. They didn't really have retail at the time, but their customers really wanted to engage with the brand. And it was like, how do you translate that hospitality experience to a digitally native brand, which was a big challenge. We ended up opening eight stores and pop-ups in the following two years, launching Glossy in France, doing a whole lot of other things. And it was an incredible experience. As running an early stage startup, as an entrepreneur, what are the things you love about your work? So many things, so many things, even though it's been a really trying year and I have to admit, it's not my dream job to be building a brand on the internet. It's something that's offline experiences are second nature to me and they're what I love. I think that I always say my greatest skill is I can throw a really great dinner party. And so it's how do you apply the skill set into your work and bring them together. And now I'm a little bit at a loss having to figure out ads and Facebook and all of these things that I just don't necessarily appreciate as much. But I'm very inspired by the response from customers and getting Gia into their hands is actually helping them be the host with the most and getting all of that feedback. And so it's been really interesting. It's just one brand and we're just a startup, but actually like we're completely different from every other beverage brand because 95% of our sales have been made directly with the customer, which I don't think is something that any other aperitif brand can say. There's obviously new new beverage brands that are also following the same rules and, and that's really great but I'm talking about the, the heritage brands that are well known that are owned by the Diageos of the world like we have at this point or seven or eight thousand orders that are coming directly from people and we know who they are and we get their feedback and they get our email and they text us to give us feedback we have this text sign that's 707 text Gia. And I think that's a really special thing that we'll be able to capitalize on. And what I can't wait for is being able to think through experiences that center around the occasions of drinking, where we can actually dictate not just what's in the glass, but what's around it. I'm, all I can think about now is like scheming to be like, how do we create events that are safe for everyone? So we're participating in a drive-in movie theater in LA and concert and all of that. So how do you say, actually, Gia is not only like a healthier, better for you beverage that will keep you more socially connected and is really delicious, but it's also saying Gia invites you to these like incredible experiences where you don't even need an alcoholic drink. Yeah, you're making me think about something really interesting is we're having to redefine what experiences look like as a whole, both virtually and then in person. And I think there's really great opportunities within the non-alcoholic beverage space to be able to be included in that. How do you see the non-alcoholic beverage industry changing in the next few years? First of all, it's really exciting that there are newcomers in the category. So of course, we're worried about all the competition coming in and all of that, because right now we're really a handful of brands that are doing this at scale and i'm so excited for others because if we have other brands like there's going to be a non-alcoholic beverage aisle which is incredible and will be just good for all of us and then people will think about it as another option for their dinner if you think about how many vodka brands there are or beer brands there are like it's just 
better for us to be a category than be uh, such a niche product. And so I'm personally very excited about it. I think it will just help us really create a new standard for how people are expected to drink and then also just the social pressure around socializing. Going back to what you said previously, I think the interesting opportunity of having a variety of non-alcoholic beverages is when you're thinking about those experiences and creating those and when people get back to that, especially in person, that they might be more intentional or mindful of wanting to include a non-alcoholic beverage for those people that may not necessarily drink. Absolutely. And if you think about not drinking, like there's at some point in your lifetime as a woman, if you're expecting a child, you're not technically able to drink. And so I'm surprised that maybe that was too niche, but I'm surprised that no one has really done this before or given it much thought. And it's also a little bit of a sign of our times because I feel like there's like a natural, there's natural sub niches of our customers or our audiences that just can't drink. And I think maybe there were brands that were catering only to them before. It's like, how do you broaden that to like health and wellness in general? And the thing that's been interesting as I've been speaking with lots of other founders of non-alcoholic beverages is when you're thinking about beer, there was a whole evolution in the in the past 10, 15 years of the craft beer, but there was literally nothing innovative within non-alcoholic beer until the past couple of years. And I think entrepreneurs like you are then thinking about these other types of beverages and how can we innovate and create uh, non-alcoholic beverages to, in some cases, mimic, but in some cases, taste better than their their alcoholic counterparts. Absolutely. Where do you see Gia going in the next kind of three, two to three years? What's your vision for the company? I know you mentioned other products and can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think first of all, we want Gia to be on premise. We want Gia to be in all of the restaurants and that's the first pillar of our brand is inclusivity. And that means inclusivity, like making people feel like Gia is for them. It means being inclusive of drinkers and non-drinkers alike, but it also means that if you're not drinking, you don't have to just enjoy a drink from the comfort of your home, which is something that was really important to us from the beginning. And so we wanted Gia to be on-premise. It's obviously been very challenging this year because of restaurant closures, but we really want to be a drink that you can enjoy when you're with others and Others can be drinking alcohol and not drinking alcohol. They won't matter. It's our invitation. And then in terms of new products, I can share that we're working on a single serve version of Gia for when public spaces reopen. And I also can share that we are working on new flavors, but not in the immediate. So the family of Gia flavors, I think a lot of people expect us to build several different flavors and they're single serve. And actually we're going to be building around the original flavor. It is our bitter drink that we love. Awesome. And to wrap it up, I'd love for you to share what's your favorite way of drinking Gia? Actually, I have a very bitter palate, which is why now I can't just do tastings by myself because the feedback that we get, that's a lot, is I love Gia. I love Gia on the rocks with an olive and cracked pepper. And I also just love Gia kind of spritz with a bit of orange peel uh, for extra bitter and then a splash of tonic and a splash of sparkling water. And then I don't personally drink it like that, but most uh, of my friends really love a low ABV spritz. So you can also mix Gia with Prosecco and that will be like your very low ABV version of like an apple spritz or something. 
I have a very bitter palate as well. So I'm so glad that you shared the first recipe, which is I've been drinking Ghia just by itself, but then adding a little bit of cracked pepper, it gives you that kind of burn and that kick. Yeah, you might like a sprig of thyme as well, which kind of gives this like earthy, like Negroni flavor. But we need to figure out how to make as close of a Negroni as possible for you and me. Thank you, Melanie, so much for sharing your story. Thank you for creating an amazing product. And I'm excited for listeners to try it out. So can you share a little bit about where they can find you? Absolutely. So right now we're on drinkgia.com and it's G-H-I-A. We're also on Instagram at drinkgia and there's on our stockist page, a page that's constantly being updated. We are, we're aiming to be in hotels and restaurants as soon as they reopen. So we have a number of partners that we're supporting now. We're actually letting them, if they want to, sell Gia by the bottle. So if there's a vendor near you, you can call and ask if they'll sell it to you by the bottle. So that was a way of from us of supporting the hospitality industry. And then, yeah, we're signing new accounts every day. So hopefully we'll have Gia offline close to everyone very soon. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you feel inspired by Melanie's story of developing a great non-alcoholic option that you'll love straight or mixed into your favorite cocktail. If you're subscribed to the show, thanks for being part of the For All Drinks community. I'd be super grateful if you can take a moment to leave me a rating if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, be sure to subscribe to this and all the other episodes of the podcast to start discovering more delicious non-alcoholic drinks. Lastly, visit foralldrinks.com for show notes to this episode and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest non-alcoholic beverage news, special giveaways, discounts, and more. Here's to drinking healthy, inclusively, and different. See you all next week.